another episode, long gestating new episode, years in the making, I believe the last time I did one of these, 2019. I am back today as the hot tapes have been simmering, sports world and landscape have been changing and fluctuating with another episode of Sports Tate, live here today in APS 4.0. I paid the rental fee. The All of the admin charges to be able to utilize our new little 10 by 10 room here that we use for the Stephen Kyle podcast because I couldn't wait any longer. So much going on in the sports world. We have Tom Brady retiring. We have the Washington football team being renamed the Washington Commanders. We have a class action lawsuit being filed by Ryan Flores, formerly of the Miami Dolphins, to the NFL for Uh, racial discrimination in their hiring practices. And while all of that is very interesting to me, the main thing I want to discuss and what I've been thinking about quite a bit today and recently in the sports world has been the Major League Baseball work stoppage. This has been simmering for quite a while. I believe in the earlier episodes of Sports Tate in 2019, I kind of teased that I thought this was going to happen. As the two sides appeared further apart than ever before, the owners and the players association. And here we are. 2022, there's a work stoppage. As I sit here and record today on February 13, there is no end in sight. While some ground has been made up, there is no end in sight to this work stoppage. And I shouldn't even call it that. It's technically a lockout. It is the owners not allowing the players to continue doing their jobs. There's a lot of different things to unpack here. I know normally I would get to a couple of topics per episode, but this is the one that for me is the biggest issue at hand today. The optics of this Major League Baseball work stoppage are, in my mind, this couldn't have happened to a worse, this couldn't have happened to a league that really needed some consistency and some good PR. More than any other sports association and players association, the Major League Baseball rift between the owners and the players has almost caused this league irreparable damage once in 1994. They've sniffed work stoppages a few times since then, but they've averted that crisis. I've said it here, and it's not a uh, exactly a hot take, but that steroids essentially saved baseball after the 1994 strike that stopped a World Series from happening. You can talk to a lot of old fans of Major League Baseball and baseball in general, and they'll tell you if they're if they're lapsed fans that 1994 is what did it. They played a whole season, and then August came around and the players struck. And why I want to talk about the optics is when the players strike, that's a bad look for the players. They could have played the last month of the con- they could have played the last month of their contract, even on a short-term extension. It seems like the owners were probably willing to allow that to allow the World Series to happen, as that is a big money maker for Major League Baseball and their TV partners. That didn't happen. Players decided to play their card, their only card being, we will strike if no new deal before the World Series. That cost baseball so much goodwill in the public eye and in fans' eyes 
that a lot of them didn't come back. It could have doomed baseball outside of that summer of Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, which not only took the sports world by storm, but took really the general population and news world by storm. That was front page watching Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire chase Roger Maris's record. It can safely be said that steroids saved the game of baseball in the public eye. However much the Hall of Fame voters want to issue a referendum on that by not allowing a lot of those players in the Baseball Hall of Fame, that generation of players, whether it be McGuire, Sosa, Clemens, Bonds, Pettit, it does not matter. That generation of players saved the game, probably not from demise, but from a severely diminished version of what we're used to seeing in terms of Major League Baseball. The player strike in 1994... Fans are mad at the players. You, the players are striking. You are the ones withholding this World Series from us. We watched you a whole season. How could you be so greedy right now? I'll never forgive you, etc., etc. They lose fans. Players lose goodwill. Overall, a bad deal for the players in 1994. Since then, though, it's so curious to watch the average fan now during some of these work stoppages because, and I used to be one of these before I cared about the bigger meaning of all of this stuff. And I've said it on this podcast. I don't care about the minutia as much. I don't care about player transactions as much. I care more about the big picture in sports. And that's why I'm addressing a labor stoppage today instead of the Tom Brady retiring and the impact on football. You can find that anywhere. You could read that anywhere. It doesn't matter. It's a blip on the radar for me compared to what we're dealing with in Major League Baseball, who has a lot of issues. You have the owners locking out the players right now, which makes it all the more curious to see fans, whether it be on Twitter or uh, anywhere on social media or calling into sports radio shows or just in general, who still tend to say, well, I can't believe these entitled millionaires won't play baseball. They're withholding baseball from me. They're already so rich, they don't understand the problems of the working man. And that couldn't be further from the issue at hand here. Granted, a lot of baseball players are paid very well. But if you were to go look at the top stories regarding baseball right now, and even what Commissioner Rob Manfred had said very recently regarding pay disparity and minor league baseball players, How he said they don't deserve to be paid during spring training if you're a minor league player. Think about that for a minute. These franchises are worth not millions, not hundreds of millions, billions of dollars. And there is such an issue on the minor league baseball side of this sport where there's no housing. They're not getting paid during spring training. A lot of the younger and lower drafted or undrafted free agents are making pennies on the dollar for only during the season. It makes the siding with the billionaire owners against these athletes all the more stunning to me to watch happen in real time. Baseball has an image problem, but what they seem to get away with constantly is this idea that a lot of the public is going to side with them. And when you take a step back and look at this, And you claim that you're siding, well, these entitled millionaires. Well, then what do you want to call the owners? What do you want to call those 30 owners or 30 plus owners 
who make not millions, but billions of dollars and have that much money in value in these franchises. There's not much better than stocks and bonds and mutual funds in terms of what you can plan on in terms of general growth. A sports franchise is one of them. If you can find me an instance of one of the four major sports franchises losing value, we may be able to have a discussion. It doesn't happen. These things continue to grow in value every year. Every TV deal, whether it be national TV deal or in terms of hockey and baseball, regional TV deals are growing. And they're not growing by 10% or 15%. They're growing twofold. Look at the money the NFL just got from Fox and CBS and Amazon now getting in the game for national TV. Look at college football TV deals. And those kids aren't getting paid either. There's nothing better or more sure of an investment than a major league or a major sports franchise. And that's where we're at. We're here with the public still generally siding with billionaire owners against millionaire players. Can you name five other baseball owners other than the team you follow? Probably not. I'm sure there's a few of you who follow the sport, follow the business side of things. You can probably name players from a lot of other teams, though. They get away with hiding in the shadows. They let a lot of the media do the work for them. There's a headline in the AP last week saying players declined arbitration extending the lockout. The players didn't lock anybody out. The owners did it. So now we sit here during negotiations as they drag. And they drag with what I am now willing to call the worst commissioner in all of sports. Maybe sports history. And Rob Manfred. This guy couldn't tie two shoes if you spot him the one shoe. He's an imbecile. He's a PR nightmare. And he says things that are so befuddling on a public on, a, on public forums that if I'm an owner, I would have no faith in him whatsoever. And you can dislike Roger Goodell all you want. Roger Goodell has aver- averted work stoppages, albeit very close a year ago or in 2020. He has made those owners money. Whereas Rob Manfred now is tap dancing with the idea of missing baseball games in 2022. You have them making PR moves of offering federal mediation that they knew would be declined. Instead of good faith bargaining, you have baseball owners out there saying, why don't we get a mediator in here? You've only met three times since December. You don't need to go to mediation. You're not at a standstill. You need to sit down at the table and keep making gains on what you have both conceded and what you have both agreed to. And as of now, they, the owners and the player association have met. A couple of more bridges have been gapped. This is a big, big contract for the players that I am very interested, interested to see how much they either give up, how much they get back. I think they care less about the revenue sharing pool than ever before. They need concessions on a lot of these things that are limiting free agency. Players' contracts and monetary income has been impacted so negatively by arbitration and free agency over the past, since it was introduced, it's almost laughable to watch what they get away with compared to every other sports organization. 
If you're a Major League Baseball player, if you're drafted number one overall, it doesn't matter. Okay. Until you touch the big league field and your service time clock starts, you have six years before you can choose where you want to play. Six years. If you play three years in college and you're the you're a draft pick, you're 23 years old. Let's say you don't hit the major league roster. Are you recording? Boy, I hope so. <laughs> you don't hit the major league roster until 26. A couple of years in the minors. Your clock then starts where you have three years where you can't do anything. You're simply tendered a contract no matter what the baseball guidelines say, and that's it. After that... You mind if I eat lunch? No, go ahead, please, please. You have three years of arbitration where, sure, you're making more than you were during your first three years, but you're still not maximizing your value. Look at arbitration values compared to free agent values. They're not even close. You're now staring at a, a kid drafted number one overall, He's now 32 hitting free agency for the first time. They control these players almost indefinitely, and along with the service time manipulation, they can control them for a year longer. It's baffling that this business practice has been able to be kept in a major, major way for this long. That's a big one for the players. Not only that, if you leave during free agency after you're, when you're 32 years old, And if you sign with another team after being offered a qualifying offer by your previous team, they have to give up a draft pick to sign you. There's now penalties for finally reaching free agency and being good at your job. Yet there's still people out there saying these baseball players are withholding baseball from me. I can't fathom siding with the owners in this situation, siding with the billionaires against the millionaires. And even saying millionaires feels disingenuous on my part. What sport are we talking? Hockey. Hockey. Pucks. Slapshot. Gretzky. The majority of players don't make millions of dollars. Everybody wants to point to the Alex Rodriguez deals, the Miguel Cabrera deals, the John Carlos Stanton's, the 10 to 12 years, 300 plus million dollar deals. When those are the outliers. And to be very fair with you, those are still undervalued compared to what they're bringing to their franchise. The Philadelphia Phillies sung a lot of jerseys before Bryce Harper got there. Trust me when I say the Philadelphia Phillies are okay paying Bryce Harper the $30 million a year for however long he's going to be there. He's, he's going to make that back for him in attendance, merchandise sales. It's going to be okay. Stop fretting about the poor, poor billionaire owners. And let's start talking about the 24th, 25th, and 26th people on these Major League Baseball rosters who are making the league minimum. They're not the Bryce Harpers that this deal needs to be concerned about. It's the people making the veteran minimum or the league minimum that the Players Association finally needs to stand up for. I don't know where this negotiation goes. I'm comfortable saying we're going to miss some regular season games. It seems like if there's not a deal within the next two weeks, games will be missed for for sure. Even before that, I still think we're going to miss some games. You're going to need to get teams to their spring training sites. You do a shortened spring training. But again, this is all the rosy, uh, this could happen plan. There's no telling that that's going to actually exist. That would be a big bridge being gapped 
between owners and players in the next two weeks when they've met now five times in, in over three months. Grapefruit League. What are we going to do without Grapefruit League baseball? How is the community of Sarasota, Florida going to survive without the C-Squad from the Washington Nationals taking on the Florida Southern Oranges? This is a big one. This is, for my money, the most impactful labor negotiation for a sports league that I can remember in my life as a sports fan. And it's not largely unfollowed, but for a large part, fans don't care about this stuff. They don't. They just want to be told when their team is playing and on what channel. And I get that. So the only reason I want to talk, I wanted to talk about this today is because of the impact it could have. All of these sports leagues have different issues with their, with their labor deals. You have football with somehow being as big as it is and being the biggest of the big four sports leagues and TV deals in the billions of dollars. And there's no franchise under, you know, probably $2 billion. Yet the players' contracts aren't guaranteed. Poor guy making, you know, 7,000 bucks to be on the practice squad. You could cut him tomorrow because you need a roster spot for whatever. He doesn't get that money anymore. He's just out. Baseball guarantees their contracts. Hockey guarantees their contracts. So does basketball. Yet football gets away with it. You have, like I've talked about with baseball, holding players' free agency and arbitration rights for what seems like way too long for these young players. Baseball is a tanking problem. Trying to get that number one pick so that way you can then hold him in your system for nine years before he can realistically choose where he wants to play. It does seem like we have some movement, though. They have agreed to eliminate draft pick penalization in terms of free agent signing. They've agreed on some cosmetic issues, as I'll refer to them, in regards to the universal DH now going to be in play. We don't have to watch pitchers hit anymore, thank goodness. Wasn't cute over the decades that it's happened. Everybody likes the once-a-year footage of the pitcher hitting a home run. You're, you're, You're worsening the game by having that pitcher have to hit in key situations. All I'm here to say is that I hope that there is some ground to be made, but if games are missed in terms of Major League Baseball, will this have the impact of 1994? I don't think so. Simply because this is a different time. We're not ending a World Series over this. People missed that World Series in 94, and that was a breaking point. And that's understandable, because that, that's a betrayal of your fanhood at that point, in the middle of the season. Phillies, Blue Jays in 93. Right now, we're looking at missing some April games. Nah, who really cares, right? People can say, you know, they treat opening days out. Well, we're still going to have an opening day, whether it's March 31st or uh, April 31st. It doesn't matter. There will still be an opening day. I don't th- I don't see a season being missed. That seems highly unlikely, and I don't think it's happened, and maybe you can help me out on this, Steve. Was a hockey season missed? Do you remember when you were you working with the NHL when a hockey season was missed? Two line pass, yeah. offsides. Offsides is a big one. Yeah. Zamboni. Thank you. We're not in danger there yet. There's been enough concessions now, and it seems like we're at a point where it's going to come down to the dollars and cents of a bonus pool for 
arbitration-eligible players who are being underpaid to now have, if you're in the top 20-something of some statistical categories, you will be eligible for a bonus pool, which is a big get for the players if they can secure enough money to make that impactful. A big problem has been the Mike Trout's, the uh, you know the, the Kyle Schwarber's, when they were coming up with their respective teams, being underpaid. And then when you hear their contract demands when they are a free agent, people saying, well, why do they want so much money? They don't deserve that. Well, yeah, they also didn't deserve the $600,000 when they were hitting 40 home runs in their age 24 season. It's a market correction. It needs to level off. And I think that's what the Players Association finally understands. And I think we're finally going to get there. They seem to be avoiding the scenario of games being too long and items like pitcher clocks and those other cosmetic items, as I described, I'm sure those will be negotiated and agreed to as those seem minuscule in the big scheme of things. We'll check in next month because if baseball starts missing games, that betrayal of the trust starts happening again in terms of fans and who comes back and who stays. I don't know. Are you a diehard Orioles fan? Probably not. Is this enough to cause you a lapse in vanhood? No, very probably. Because your team sucks as it is, and now they have the gall to miss games. Baseball's in a tough situation here. Steve, your thoughts? I don't know if I can put it any better. I appreciate that. Before we wrap up this episode, which has already gone longer than I anticipated, of Sports Tate, the long-awaited, long-returned, long-gestating Sports Tate, Wanted to bring back the staple of what I've been obsessing over. And recently, boy, is this something that I am a little late to the party. HBO's Euphoria has kind of taken on the role of internet darling. People talk about it. They await it every week. They're watching it live, not to the level of Game of Thrones, but people are anticipating Euphoria starting Zendaya every week. I watched this show when it came out in 2019, I believe, or 2020. I made it through three to four episodes. Not to say I was bored, but it does fall into kind of the stereotypical high school movies and TV shows. It's not the high school I remember. Maybe I went to the wrong school. And maybe, Steve, you can chime in on, was your high school experience drug-ridden, abortion-ridden, and massive house party-ridden with... Uh, drug dealers and pool parties and kegs everywhere in your high school life? Demerits. In-school suspension. College credit. This show is the darling. And it's not my... It. I don't consider it... I honestly don't consider it very good. It's fine. I have watched all of the episodes. I decided... After seeing, I I hate feeling left out in these regards. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to watch it all again. I'm going to see what all the hubbub is about. All the hullabaloo. And I'm going to jump back into Euphoria and catch up. And it was what I remember. An unrealistic look at a high school life. At least in my memory. The best way I can describe Euphoria right now. Is there is a 14 episode fuse. 
for the 15th episode bomb that went off in what I can only describe as a tour de force by Zendaya in episode 15, uncomfortable to watch, difficult uh, in its uh, content, but so, so well done by everybody involved. So many things to take note of. So if you are not aboard the Euphoria train, I beg you, only watch 14 hours to get to that elusive 15th hour where you will be, uh, your, your jaw will be on the floor just based on the performances. So HBO's Euphoria is what I have been obsessing over the last two weeks or so. Please bring it back. You can uh, submit your hot dates to us at Stephen Kyle on Twitter and Facebook. I can bring that back next time. I want to bring this back next month, um, which hat with hashtag rate my Tate. Submit those to me on social media and I will get to those next month. This has been good. This has been cathartic. I'm happy to talk about it. It's uh, important, important conversation. I'm glad I'm having it. Steve, your final thoughts on the major league baseball work stoppage right now and what you think for the 2022 baseball season. TB12, Big Ben, thank you for your service. You heard it here first, folks. Thank you very much, Steve. Thank you for everybody tuning back in. It's been a joy. Look forward to reading your hot takes, your hot tates. I apologize. I can't believe I just mislabeled them. We will be back next month with another episode of Sports Day. 